0: Good men. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring, the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the peoples and gave to you, uh, gave to us His Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.
1: As we said, this
0: is uh, the seventh lesson. Actually, it's the eighth lesson because we always have that zero lesson, the intro lesson. But if you would like, let's read this out together. I apologize that it's not our scroll translation, but you know this song very well. Psalm 29, tell me why we know this psalm. It's in the prayer. Shakari. That's right. But did you know why it's in Shakarit? Mm-hmm. Ascribe to Adonai. Oh, heavenly mm-hmm. beings. Ascribe mm-hmm. to Adonai glory and strength. Mm-hmm. Ascribe to Adonai the glory due to his
2: name. Worship Adonai in the splendor of holiness. The voice of Adonai is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. Adonai over many waters. The voice of Adonai is powerful. The voice of Adonai is full of majesty. The voice of Adonai breaks the cedars. Adonai breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to slip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of Adonai flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of Adonai shakes the wilderness. Adonai shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of Adonai makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry, glory. glory. Adonai sits enthroned over the flood. Adonai sits enthroned as king forever. May Adonai give strength to his people. May Adonai bless his people with peace.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: And so that you
0: know why we do that, for Shakarit, in particular on Shabbat, this is because it's Shabbat. As you note, it's seven times the voice of Adonai is there. And so... Sinai was the marriage ceremony. It was the giving of the seven blessings, oh, cool. and so we read this song on Shabbat in memory of the fact that we've been wed to the King. I love Thank it. You. That's very cool. Yeah. So, why is it important to have the seven blessings? Yes. Whoa! 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 whoa. Right there. The voice. The voice. This, this the boys. Seven The blessings. voice. All right. The voice. And actually, there's a correlation. They try and match them up. They're not sequential, but they try and match them up with. The seven blessings. Yeah, that's
1: pretty cool.
0: But now you know why we actually include Psalm twenty nine. Where we include it as part of shakurim, because it is a it is an expression of a covenant relationship that was formed at Sinai. Mm. So we have spent time examining the practical aspects of the wedding, the Jewish wedding. We kind of have an idea. if well, you know, most of you already know it, but a lot of people don't know about the weddings because they haven't participated. Who has not been to a Jewish wedding? Event? So, <laughs> as you know, this is why we kind of like maybe we take it a little bit for granted. But people that don't have a have a fundamental understanding or have not experienced it, come in, come in. Oh, please. Come oh, on.
2: yes. Fine, young men here. Mm-hmm. Right, mom. Somebody give out uh, lines
0: to these
3: young men, please. Uh, Make a space We've just right started, there, so it's
2: perfect
3: timing. <laughs> For one more chair, and you should have everybody right there. Boom, boom, boom. Gregory, move up one spot next to Brock, and he'll have three uh, right there with his sons.
1: <laughs>
3: there we go. Hold on. I one right here next to the
1: projector. Oh, yes. <laughs>
0: I backed up on this slide because these fine young men, I don't know if you know this or not, but nearly all of their conscious life, they have prayed Shakari. They know the psalm, Psalm 29, as part of Shakari prayer and Shabbat. And prayer and Shabbat includes a psalm because it is the wedding ceremony. It's the wedding ceremony where Israel was wedded by covenant to Hashem at Sinai. So this voice of Adonai, is repeated seven times, correlates to the seven blessings in the Shema book, which is part of the wedding ceremony. I'm using the word ceremony very loosely. I,
3: I never noticed it was there seven times. It is. So, it's
4: it is. amazing. You know the thing that I think most won me over to the Jewish wedding ceremony. And the reason the fact for, that you had one? Well, that, well not, not, not the, the only reason, but one of the main reasons why I want, really wanted to do it myself for many years before I got married were the Sheva Varakok, because the seven blessings, um, we're gonna get into them more, but I feel like they're so cool because they they turn what is a um, kind of a, a somewhat of a man focused ritual, the wedding ceremony absolutely into a into a, a beautiful expression of worship praising God for what's happening, and that's not to absolutely. say that a Christian ceremony doesn't also try to incorporate animals worship, with but the difference, I feel like, is a Christian ceremony oftentimes tries to worship God in the midst of the wedding, whereas I feel like the Sheba Barakot worshiped God for the wedding, absolutely. which is so cool. It's absolutely true. Absolutely
0: true. Anyway, we, talk, we were talking about the fact that wedding customs give us a key understanding into, into a relationship between God and his people. The relationship between God and his people is an intimate relationship. Is every relationship between God and his people intimate? No. How
2: about a king
0: and his subjects? Is a king and his subjects, is that intimate? No. <clears throat> not really. Uh, not very. <laughs> uh, maybe fear and trembling like a judge. <laughs>
1: That's
0: right. Um, how about uh, a relationship between father and child? That's more intimate, yes, absolutely. So we see that in, in, in Scripture, a father and his child, that's certainly more intimate. But the most intimate relationship in all of human relationships is the relationship between a bridegroom and his bride. And that's why it is very important to understand that relationship in order to understand the relationship, why God uses this language. And he doesn't just use this language uh, in, the, in the marriage life, it's all focused on the wedding, which is a really interesting thing. Think about it. Well, don't you grow much closer over years? I've been married almost 35 years. I can promise you, I love my wife far more now than I did. And I thought I did. <laughs> I think she loves me. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's like, why is it focused on the beginning? What's the, Why is the beginning the focus? Is that not the foundation? For what, would come? what? So you have to have a good wedding in order to have a good marriage? Hmm. I think it's, no, no. If, if you're
4: looking for an answer, yeah. I am. Okay. I, I mean, it's
0: rhetorical, but yeah.
4: yeah. Um, I don't I, have an answer. I'm to me, I think one of the things that stood out from <laughs> doing this study, this um, that you did, and then also just from my own experience, I feel like the wedding is all about joy, and that's the thing that I think that's so cool is it's a it's a party, it's a celebration, it's all about joy. <laughs> Not to say that marriage life is not also about joy, but marriage life also has normal things like work. I have to go to work. Be away from my wife for you know eight, ten hours a day. You know, there's other types of things in life that are just tedious and normal, mundane. Absolute. But Absolute. the marriage, the marriage is diff- The wedding ceremony is different. It mm-hmm. is a, it's like a, it's in some sense a glimmer of the world to come, in which um, there is rejoicing always. He, he yeah. took, he took my finger. Yeah, <laughs>
3: I, the the ceremony represents the ultimate. The, yes. the, the perfection. Exactly right. And you know, if, if we can live up
0: to that. That's right. Over time we grow in a wedding, in a, in a marriage relationship, we grow over time. But you can't grow over time if you didn't have a wedding. Mm-hmm. So the focus is, as the ideal, this is. So all that benefit afterwards comes because of the
1: wedding.
2: <laughs> One of the cool things that I notice is that a lot of times you see that Christian weddings, you see a lot of the younger folks and even the older families saying, Oh, well, it's all over now. It's, it's all over. And what I've noticed at Joshua and Juliana's wedding, just in my wedding, that people were so astounded at God's presence yeah. and uh, the sanctity of the wedding, and they were just. So so supportive of what yeah. we were doing. It wasn't, you got. it's all over, guys. hope you enjoyed your, your singledom, but now it's, it
0: starts <laughs> it, up. You know, it, you know I think part of that, if you think about it, for people my age, you know, it's the Carpenters. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, really, seriously, though. No, I mean, it's just like I said, you know, I, I have a much richer relationship with my wife now than I did that, so. But it's it's almost like the Jewish, Cultural perspective on wedding and marriage, it's tipped on its head. Yeah. The, the best is first. Mm-hmm. The best, and we're not talking about the best time or, or the closest relationship, but the best is first. The ideal is first, and then we live it out. So I think that's. I think you're
2: right. I th- I think to go going back to your original question, yeah, you know, it's it's a starting point. Like I've been close with my fiance right.
4: for three years, but. It's probably nothing compared to the closest mm-hmm. we'll have after we're married. Absolutely, just a different, Absolutely. different relationship. And it
0: gets better, but that's a relationship that's not the kind. Right. So we spent time examining the wedding language used as well. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, it also gives you something to look back on, like Passover when you wear blue and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. My wife is not watching this, so anything that I say here today, please be careful and do not refer to her anything that I say, because I was looking through our wedding anniversary is coming up. So I was looking at your pictures, old pictures. Don't tell her because really, that would tip really, something off. Really old. Really, really old. old pictures. Really <laughs> old pictures. Scanning pictures. And, uh, wow, man.
2: I mean, that's, that's a long time ago. <laughs> but I, I was,
0: i it was, I'll tell you what, and it just kind of goes with that, is that those memories, every time I pull out a picture of my life, it's like, wow. She was gorgeous. I mean, all the way through the, you know, thirty-five years of marriage. Like, I'm going back as like ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. Like, man, man, I want to marry that woman. Oh, wait, I did marry her.
2: <laughs>
0: Sorry. Uh, but we also looked at the language. You know, we looked at actual weddings. That helps us. But we also looked at the language through scripture because, you know, even Song of Songs carries. Even though it has mystic connotation. It carries some that language is being used for a reason. Why does God use a language? Because he thinks we should relate to it. Unfortunately, the most of the people that read, when I say most, I mean most. Actually, almost all of the people that read the scriptures do not know what this is talking about. Because they don't have that experience. It's not even, it's beyond them. They think they know it. Oh yeah, it's about a way. Is yeah, that where the preacher stands But they don't really understand it's not part of their experience. It's, it's not their fault, but it's not part of their experience. By making it part of our experience and knowing the language that's being used, now we like, okay, those are the touch points like remittance. We, we pin the various expressions of a relationship on the wall. We have them all mapped out. Yeah, so when we hear that language, we, we have a personal understanding of what that language means. Okay? But notice this. I had it in bold. It's in context of the Jewish way. Not to detract from any wedding, even if it's a Buddhist wedding. Honestly, honestly, when God brings two people together, however weirdly that happens, there is something good from that. Well, first of all, hopefully they're fulfilling the first commandment. But there is something good from that. It is a spiritual experience, not just a physical experience. It's a good, spiritual experience for those people. Even in a relationship with God that they may not have, but in the full understanding, a Jewish wedding is different. It is, it is far better to understand using the Jewish wedding, the culture of the Jewish wedding. We've already talked about all this, but now we're going to focus on one particular part of that wedding. You did the ceremony, and we did the ceremony. Remember, the ceremony is divided into two parts. Of it, remember the parts? Yes, we. we and. Tattooing the, pup, the <laughs> 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 That was for you, guys. <laughs> Star Trek, excuse me, <laughs> how's Star Wars? <laughs> Kidushin? <works>. Kiddushin. <laughs> we'll find a Star Trek reference here in a second. Kidushin. Kidushin. Okay, so we have the two parts. Remember, Kidushin? Remember, over time, they've been split into really mm-hmm. almost put together here. You know, there are still two separate parts in ceremony, but they're kind of together. But do you remember when we did Kiddushin? Mm-hmm. We said, okay, we got the Sheva coat and we said, well, hold off. This is. A big piece we're going to hold off to the end. And the reason why is because that's the sermon. So when you're blessing him, it's like you're telling him to live long and prosper. All that's. Yes. There <laughs> you go. Man. There it there is. is. There it is. All right. <laughs> I salute you, sir. I salute you, sir. Yes. Nimoy and Shatner will both do it. That's right. Uh, there we go.
1: Everybody's just... So sanctified without <laughs> sanctification.
0: Don't look at your notes, please. What is sanctified? Set apart. Set apart. Set apart. Set apart. Be- Without sanctification. What's sanctification? Or Without that, sanction, excuse me. Without the sanction. sanction. They're the same roof, <laughs>
1: y'all.
0: Do you understand that how's a wedding what is a wedding? It is the church and the state sanctioning the union legally and for the sake of children. Uh, establishing new identities. True? Everybody agree with that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sanction. The state sanctions. The church sanctions. In fact, if you go to the state of Israel today, you cannot get married if you are not orthodox and marrying an orthodox. Mm. You can't. The state does not sanction it. Okay. In the, in the United States today, the state sanctions if you want to marry a, a puppy. You can do that. Not saying that that's acceptable, but the point is the state sanctions it. Okay? but it's sanctified without sanction. A Jewish wedding, this is where the state of Israel is wrong biblically, because a Jewish wedding requires no sanction, no, zero. How do I say that? Well, look, Christian and Protestants, we're really big on this, everybody's got to have did, 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 did you sign a marriage license? I've signed marriage licenses before. If anybody in here has I've signed a marriage so. license, I'm sorry, it probably is not valid. <laughs> But the <laughs> point is, the state requires that. us to sign a marriage license, which is silly because we don't need a signature on America. We didn't even need a marriage license to start with, but we certainly don't need a signature. By whom? Hmm. Who is supposed to sign a marriage license in the United States? Every state in the Union. Clergy. A we don't got clergy. A man
3: who's been ordained. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Jews don't have clergy. Did you know that? Jews don't have clergy. There are no men of the cloth <laughs> Judaism. <union. laughs> None. Backwards collars? None. We wear kippot, but we don't wear collars. Why?
1: Because we're not dogs.
0: <laughs> why do we not wear? Why do we not? Why do we not have clergy? Why does Judaism not have clergy? We have rabbis. Are they clergy? They're treated as clergy in the United States and various places around the world. They're even cle- treated in some respect treated, treated as clergy in, in, in the state of Israel as well. But are rabbis clergy?
3: Not, not technically speaking. Clergy yeah. really has an, an
0: institutional it is. aspect. So yes ask, ask and whose synagogue is this? The clergy the, the clergy. The rabbi won't say it's my synagogue. <laughs>
1: <Ooh>. <laughs>
0: but if you were to ask whose pastor, you know, back when you know back in the eighties, whose pastor at First Baptist Atlanta? Charles Stanley. It's his church. <laughs> his church? I mean, we say, people say it, and they don't even—they well, don't even blink he, at it.
4: Today, Pastor Perdic runs from yeah. Evelyn oh, Yeah, there you go.
0: It's his church. Oh, he's at such and such. People say that. Now, <clears throat> it's really a remarkable thing. I'm break that down in language. What does that mean? I mean, Scripture tells <laughs> us very strongly that that's not true, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So, the presence of a rabbi at a wedding is simply a state requirement type of thing. It's people, it's culturally, they want to fit in with a Western idea, you got to have a clergy. So a rabbi's there, he does some stuff. He signs the marriage license. In the United States, he does. Not every Jewish wedding has a rabbi, but if they do, that's kind of what it is. He's fulfilling the role of clergy, even though he is not want it.
1: Okay?
0: We have Mr. Calvin to thank for that. Yes, thank you, John Calvin. Yeah, yeah. The sanctity of the Jewish wedding is brought by the groom and the bride. I want you to remember this. The groom and the bride are the ones that bring... Sanctity to the wedding. It is not a church or a synagogue or a clergy being present. It is the groom and the bride and blessings. His seven blessings. That's what makes it sanctified. Okay? The union is not created by state or clergy.
1: As the Bible
0: describes, thank you very much, we have Genesis, the first wedding. <laughs> right? Uh, there's just two, and God blesses them. And that's it. There's no, like, did she wear a veil? <laughs> you know? know did she walk an that. aisle? Well, you know, we don't want that image. Please, erase that from your minds. She was clothed in light. <laughs> Fingernails. Yeah. Fingernails, that's right. Hard light. She was not in. The blessings that sanctified the groom and the bride. I shouldn't say the blessings. The two... And the blessings sanctify the union, are known as the Shemirat the Seven Blessings. So we'll start with the first one. Blessing one, created for His glory. We're going to read uh, in English. I'll sing them for you. Uh, blessed are You, Adonai, our God, King of the Universe, who has created everything for His glory. Well, that's very nice. I think that's a very nice one. It's like okay, we'll start off by blessing God. that He created everything for His glory. Consider why that is the first blessing. Someone look up Isaiah forty three, six through seven. Don't look.
2: No, oh. I, I have it. Six through seven. Six
1: through seven, please, thank you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everyone's created for purpose.
0: That? Something good that John Calvin did is infuse in Protestant Christianity the fundamental concept that man was created for the glory of God. That's absolutely true. Biblical. It is the pinnacle of our purpose. Created for the glory of God. What is it to be created for the glory of God? What does that mean? What's God's glory? Is it shiny? What's glory? Weight. Weight. Come on. It's weight. What is weight? What am I trying to implicate when I say man was created for God's weight? His weightiness. It's given worship. Yeah. Worship is to give weight, right? But obedience. Obedience is to give weight. Absolutely. These are these are. These are describing what it is to give glory, but what is glory? What is that weight? What is it? It's defining and revealing God as he is. I mean, that's pretty simple, but yeah, as he is? A demonstration. Wow. Man was created to reveal God as he is. He's unknowable. How can man
1: possibly
0: reveal him? He reveals him by, being, by worshiping him as he is, and has he defined himself and defined his worship, right? So this is how man brings glory to God. Which men? This is the first blessing. Which men, men in general? Absolutely, his it's not the men of God, his people. Number one is people, and we're going to see later. Rashi says not only his people, but this holy congregation that are here to observe this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, when you think about that, that makes this a pretty <coughs> powerful blessing. It's like, everyone in this room had a Jewish wedding. You were brought here for this purpose. And this purpose is to glorify, to add weight, not add, to show the weight of our God. Mm-hmm. The... Uh- the, the black
3: holes you can't see them
2: yeah.
3: but but they're described and they're evidenced right. by, what happens by what happens around, around them right. Yeah. and and by the actions of the bodies around the black hole yeah. the black hole is defined and I never thought about, about that what you just said that God is glorified and described because yeah. we can't actions. see
0: him you know we can't see him, we can't feel him, we can't know his presence except that he reveals himself through people mm-hmm. or nature, but most importantly through people. All nature is brings glory to yeah. God. all glory, of his yeah. crea- creation. However, it is it requires nephesh in order to soul, in order to meet this required. You, know, you can have dogs barking. That's great, man. Birds flying. Fish swimming. All that's wonderful brings glory to God. No question about it. But not in the way that men bring glory to God. Because we were created for this. Okay? So he wants to reveal his glory to his people for his reason. They were created to participate in the Jewish wedding is the most important example. That seems pretty overreaching. But I want to remind you, what's the first commandment? Be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) Think about it for a second. Two can multiply. Two, become one, can multiply. Have more creatures who are created in order to bring glory to God. That's astounding. Talk about pro-life. That's like, whoa, that makes pro-life to be... Just the pinnacle of our being. Think about it. Not just two create one, or two, or three, or four, or twelve. But those create three or fifty or a hundred. And they those create two hundred or five hundred or a thousand. This is an important moment that everybody here in the Jewish wedding is here to bring glory to God and so we thank him
4: that he created us for this purpose mm. and I mean to underscore just how real that is I saw a story one time where there was a woman who was having like her 96th birthday in Israel and her entire family people descended from her I think they were descended from her yeah. showed up for the party there were over a thousand right. people mm. for one woman holocaust and, survivor that's incredible so I mean uh, you've, you've, it, it can be done. She's a I mean I, I guess she was a, either a great great-grandmother maybe? I'm talking four, maybe five generations at most, over a thousand people. It's pretty cool. Very cool.
0: So, blessing two. Any questions or comments on blessing one before we on? That was
3: really
0: cool. Blessing two. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the Universe, who fashions the man. Ha a Do not miss the the. The definite article. Ha Adam, the man. Not man. Oh, it's nice. He hates man. Yes, he does. Mankind are definitely his creation. But who did he create first? The man. The man. Adam. And who today, during this wedding, is Ha Adam? Well, the groom. Absolutely. So, somebody look up Genesis 2-7. I got it.
3: Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed
0: into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Do not, do not minimize the creation of woman, and I don't mean to, so don't. we're going to move on to that in a second, so I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say this, but only man had God breathed into him, hmm. and he became a soul. The male... The man, Adam, is the only one who was breathed into. Eve was not breathed into. Does she have a soul? Of course. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is God's breath. Give me give me a, y'all know uh, Michelangelo's uh, painting on the Sistine Chapel, right? Finger. What's the, the finger, right? What's, <laughs> the fu- what's, the, what's the significance of the fingers? Not touching. What is that significance? We, we're, we're given the view close, but that, that they may calm. have touched or about to touch, but what's the significance?
3: Hands breath from God.
0: That's right. That close. That close. How close is breathing into? That's mouth to mouth. Right? It is. Absolutely. God breathed into Adam mask. mouth to mouth. We bless it for this. So who's the who's the one here that's representing Adam during a Jewish wedding?
2: The groom.
4: Wow. Whoa! Thank you for making that guy. <laughs> In addition, the um, the ceremony itself is emphasizing this Adam-like link. That's right. The first one to come out is the guy. That's right. The man walks out and takes his place beneath the hoopla. Absolutely. As though it's his domain, it's his place. Then the woman is brought to him out of that. Rabbi Lapin highlights this idea as like the man, by, by having um, territorial dominance, it demonstrates that he's the leader. Um, even in nature, like if you put fish in a fish tank, the one that gets there first ends up being automatically looked to as the leader. And Rabbi Lapin argues that from this point, it's a, he, he says that um, women naturally want men who are leaders. And, uh, and so this whole ceremony goes back to the garden. So who shows up first Man. man, and then woman is brought to him. Right. Feminists will not like this lesson. <laughs>
0: man was created by the de- deliberate display of Hashem's condescending power. The deliberate display. That's not to say Eve or woman was not created by de- deliberate display, because she was. We're going to see here in a moment. But remember, it's God's breath that makes Adam a living soul. This is a blessing not merely for all mankind, but also for the bridegroom specifically. And we say, "This is like Adam before us today." Okay. Now I know that in, in a in a Christian or in a Protestant, Catholic or Protestant wedding, generally that picture of the second Adam is being portrayed. I, I agree that that is probably a good representation. It is absolutely it's a very good representation. This is a little this is a little bit more a little bit more fundamental. This is not the second Adam right now. We want to get you, a, don't start thinking, you know, this is a Messiah figure. Because that's not what's going on. This is like Adam. What relationship was that? In perfection. I mean, perfect creation. God breathes into him life. No sin there. This is the first Adam.
1: Okay? Blessing.
0: Any questions on blessing? We're moving pretty good. We started off with a bunch of people. We went to this group here. Then we got down to one guy. <laughs> Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, king of the universe, who the, fashions the man in his image. Well, that's good. That, didn't we already do that? In the image of his likeness, and prepared for him, for himself, a building for eternity. Blessed are you, Adonai, who fashions the man. Even when we're blessing God for the woman, we still got to mention the man. <laughs> Why? Very important reason why.
1: Let's
0: go to Genesis chapter 2,
4: 20 through 24. Amen. Thank you. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper to fit him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's pretty cool.
0: So, what's the relationship between we'll not say woman, but Eve and God? Through Adam. Through Adam. She was created. Did God breathe into her the breath of life? Yes, because he breathed into Adam. Does that make sense? Yeah. In the same way that we all come from women, every one of us, we look to our mother and we go, you gave me life. That's a good thing to say. right? right? We, we honor her, maybe above all others that are human beings, because, maybe except your wife, because she gave us life. It's a pretty big deal. In the same way, Eve has life through Adam. So, but it's interesting to me. So who's the building? This is the point. This is kind of fun. Who's the building? <laughs> you may not have known that the third blessing was actually a blessing for the bride when you read it, but it is. She's the building. Building? She's a building? Why is she a building? Oh, well, she keeps me comfortable. The sages actually refer to a man's wife sometimes as his bite. I mean his is wife his house, house. Is his house absolutely, right?
4: absolutely. I think that, that came out in this particular passage you, you highlighted because he leaves his father and mother which is in a sense a man's home, home? when he's growing up That's right? and he cleaves to his wife they become one flesh and she becomes his home as mm-hmm. it were that imagery is very powerful it's seen even in the secular world That's right? Absolutely. Um, and I think that it, it carries with because the idea I think when I think about that is that in the same way that when I'm at home with my parents growing up I feel a sense of Security, a sense of comfortability, mm-hmm. a sense of um, openness, a sense of um, uh, peace. In the same way, that should be what I find. In absolutely, my absolutely. Interesting
0: thing is when Adam says, "She's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh." Do you remember relating that back to Song of Songs? Remember what bones were? When we say that prayer, all my bones will praise you. What do we say? bones are the in our bodies, structure. bones are what holds us up True? strength so when it says that you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh it is an acknowledgement that you support me now that's not the way that this may come across she's a building for me but uh. saying my strength is in the fact that I have this woman I mean, wow. isn't that cool? alright There's nothing egalitarian, that's true. This is not very egalitarian. However, before people get off on that she's a building for him, the woman's created from man, but it's not to denigrate her, it's to compare her to the temple. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: She is the temple for his presence. So she's the visible representation where he cannot go or be involved or provide influence. In the same way, the temple provides a visible representation mm-hmm. for people when they want to go be near God but never get to see Him. Does that make sense? Anybody that's married knows that this is exactly the way it works. I mean, she is. I mean, she's the building. She's definitely the building. She definitely represents me, right? Mm-hmm. In ways I can't even do it.
4: She's the building. She's okay. the resting
0: place. She is Hakon.
4: And kind of an interesting little string of pearls imagery here. We see this even within the apostolic writers, in the way that they talk about the bride of Messiah. Bride of Messiah is also compared to the temple, so she is the dwelling place of God, but at the same time also the bride. So there is like a, if if you string all the little analogies together, she is the building. The two are one,
0: and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. But the two are one, but there are there is a kabbalistic application as well. She is the Shekinah, right? If if we are who we're supposed to be, she is the Shekinah, the the visible manifestation of us. So if you have a beautiful wife, you can be happy that you are a very handsome person because your wife's beauty is not on the outside observation. So your your handsomeness should not be on the outside either. <laughs> but the point here is that you, you that she becomes the shekinah for the man. Hamakom.
3: Okay. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so disappointed. Because I thought I was the only guy. The, the Jews have had it all along. I didn't know. <laughs> I, it's, I, it's so smart. I mean, I mean, you get home, it's been a long day, and you see your bride, and she looks at you, and she looks right into you. Yeah. and says, sure. tough day? Yeah, sweetie? It was a long day. And you just, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's kind be of the same for you guys that have been married, right? You can just relax or, as you put it, rest.
0: Yeah. I'm home. And I'm, I'm oh, yeah. done. That's that's so cool. Yeah. Any any more comments or questions on number three? Um we're moving it, No okay, So we started out here, big group, congregation, those assembled for the wedding. Bless God for the man, he's like Adam. Bless God for the woman, she's like Eve, she's a building, she's on a call. And then we bless God for the joyous ingathering. gathering Wait a minute. It was all about a wedding, and now we're moving
1: outside the wedding.
0: That's what it is. Bring intense joy and exaltation to the barren one through the ingathering of her children and in her gladness. Blessed are you, Adonai, who gladdens Zion through the truth. We have three passages to look up, if you don't mind. Someone go to Isaiah thirty-five ten, and then someone look up fifty-one three, and someone look up Isaiah fifty-six Great, perfect. Thank you. Perfect.
2: Perfect. All right. Second Very good. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion the singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Just the one verse.
0: We have, we have two have you. You're oh. doing two? Or what? I was doing two. Wait, what, got, you got two back there? Y'all fight over No, I just have to the last one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her
3: wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found
0: in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of me- Melody. Is it just the one verse because it's sort of... In the well, middle. you can read about it, sure. It's in the middle of the sure. Okay.
4: Uh, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship Him, all who keep the Shabbat without desecrating
0: it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Good. So we see here, intense joy and exaltation for the barren. What's the significance of the barren? Who's the barren wife? Like? Actually, throughout this throughout Isaiah, in the Songs of Consolation, there's a reference, constant reminder <coughs> of the barren one. Why is the barren one being named here? First of all, who's the who's the most famous barren woman? Sarah. 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 Who's the next famous barren woman? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got a theme going here, barren women. <laughs> but apparently this is a big theme. What, what is the significance of one and a half million coming out of Mitzrayim over several hundred years? Uh, man, how many children can you people have? These are not barren people. So what's the significance of barren here? The son of the exile. It is the son of the exile, but why the exile? What's the correlation of the exile and barren? Is, is it related to faith? It is. Go back to Leviticus. Tell me about. There's an odd ceremony in Leviticus about a woman who's caught in adultery, or is suspected of adultery. barren Waters stuff
1: Yeah.
3: Bitter, water. Bitter, Bitter water. water. Bitter water. So as she drinks the yeah, she
0: drinks the dust of the tabernacle with the name of God. With the name of God on it. If she has been unfaithful, she becomes barren. So what's the significance here? She's been found unfaithful. That's the point. She's been found unfaithful. So what we're asking God to do here, in the midst of this blessing, I mean, this is like, can we not make it a little bit less uncomfortable? We're having a wedding, and you're bringing up barren people. That means there's, someone's been unfaithful. Barrenness is not a sign of unfaithfulness. But that was that sign for that person that was caught or was suspected of being caught, right? That was the proof. There you go. So what's the what's the point here? She's we're, got not, children. We're, we're not proof. We're not barren. She's got children. She has children. Bring intense joy. She has children. She was barren. She no longer is barren. That's why is she no longer barren? Because his favor is still worth her. Remember, we're having a wedding where we're being given the imagery of a relationship between God and his people. That image has been tarnished. Certainly, 2,000 years of, of supersessionism has tarnished it even more. How is it tarnished? First of all, it was tarnished by Israel's unfaithfulness. But then it was tarnished because everybody picked that up and said, yeah, you Jews, you You're don't dumb. even know the God that you claim to and the proof of it is you're scattered around the world and he's saying no 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 we have a relationship you are no longer barren you have many children and in fact I'm going to bring them all here so it's a prophetic statement and the proof of it is is, look here we're in this wedding ceremony look around we're all Jews (laughs) and we're here celebrating a Jewish wedding thank you so apparently we haven't been wiped out and God does keep his promise. (laughs) There's yeah. <laughs> a prophetic proclamation that it's going to get a whole lot better. Many more weddings are coming. Any final comments on number four? When we were talking about how the wedding kind of kicks everything off, the wedding is always you know, it's a sort of the personal Yom Kippur
3: before you get married. That's right, you do that. And I feel like that emphasizes that unconditional love, because so it's one of the first moments in our life when we feel an unconditional love for something. Because we haven't had children yet, we haven't been married yet, so you get married, but then children are the next time that happens.
0: That's right. With every child that comes, you have another reminder of unconditional love. Very good. So, it is a it is our first glimpse in the ceremony of the Messianic Age. no. The bridegroom is not Messiah. <laughs> Blessing five. Gladden the bridegroom and his bride. We'll get some more here for uh, for the Messianic picture. Gladden the blo- beloved
1: companions
0: as you gladden your creature in the garden of Eden to east. Blessed are you, Adonai, who get gladdens groom and bride.
1: Gladden
0: your beloved companions. Who are beloved companions? As you gladden your creature. Whose creature? In the Garden of Eden. Well, we'd have to say it's in the Garden of Eden. Who was the creature in the Garden of
4: Eden? Adam. Amen. That is, that re-highlights really the fact that it is, there are two who become one, <clears throat> but there's are two who become one who were originally one. That's right. Um, that's one of the things in, in Two become one that were one. Right, that were <laughs> one. Because according to Jewish tradition, and they're basing it off of the scriptures really, is that um, man, when he is first created, is in a sense man and woman to a degree. Right. And then they're separated to be two, but then the the job in a sense is to reform them, according to um, more mystical teachings, that even their souls were originally one. And so according to Jewish tradition today, um, when a man and woman- We
0: have a We have a beshert. The soulmate. Your soulmate. I mean, it's not a... I know it sounds kind of 70-ish, it's not. <laughs> it's actually very Jewish. You have a soulmate. I mean, the, the, the mystical teaching, whether you want to accept it or not, the mystical teaching is that you have a soulmate, that you were one soul that was divided as Adam and Eve were divided, and that when you come together, you become one soul again. It doesn't mean you're not responsible for your own actions, a moral soul. But the idea is that there's a union that takes place that reunites you with the one that you were made with. And that's why, up. and connected to that teaching, is why there's a natural longing for a man towards a woman and for a woman towards a man. A it's that natural drawing, t- trying to come back together to that original state. Yeah, and, and, and even if you don't want to accept the concept of the share, the soulmate, it is it is something that everybody that's married has an inkling there was something like that. You know, it is, it's not just
4: a, I mean, it's not just a physical attraction. there's something about well, it. There is also, a, I don't know, um, this is true for everyone, but I know for me, there is an odd feeling almost like, especially after you get married, where it almost feels like this is new, but this has always been there. I don't remember it. It's either. like, it's like, <laughs> no, no, it's not so much that, but it's, it's like, it's like life before this. Was a separate lifetime. What's and a this, this is the life, uh, <laughs> and this life is always there. <laughs> the lighthouse. It was a lighthouse.
0: Yeah. It's a lighthouse. But it is kind of cool. You've got like this. It
4: really does feel like that. It was like a, like an out of time experience. It is. It
0: absolutely is. No question about it. I'm not trying to make it weird. I'm just saying there's something more than just two people. Where we're with you. Know, sanctioned by the state and the church. <laughs> Somebody look up uh, this. Scripture here, if I can find it. Song of Songs. Oh, I love that book. I hope you do. Chapter five, verse sixteen.
2: His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desired. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. My blood and
0: my friend. Absolutely. This particular bridegroom. Okay, we're in the ceremony. This bridegroom right here in front of us. This bridegroom and this bride that we see here are gladdened as the first bridegroom and the bride in the Garden of Eden. The creature, singular. Okay, Their joy increases as in their union is witnessed by the group here and share in the promises of Jerusalem. This is really important because we're moving on into the next blessings. Jerusalem's going to keep coming back. Okay? Anyway, th- that one... I'm glad you brought up the Besherd idea because the Besherd actually is specifically being uh, identified in, in Song of Song, or well, the concept of Song of Psalms uh, uh, 560. There are voices in Jerusalem. You know, this is the weird, I have to say before, I, and I don't want to denigrate anybody here, but um, uh, those of you know, that my middle son didn't have a Jewish wedding. He had Jewish elements in a Jewish wedding because his, his wife, didn't want that kind of a wedding, that's fine. Um, but at the same time, there were others that were helping and prepare for the wedding, that were chosen to help and prepare for the wedding, that thought they did have it all figured out. And it was really kind of it was really kind of funny to listen to them trying, well, we need to do this Jewish stuff, and this is what this Jewish stuff means, you know? And, and no, actually, you really missed it. It was <laughs> not even close. The example that I wanted to bring up was the breaking of the glass. Jeremiah broke the glass at the very end, and and the person that was performing the wedding, state-sanctioned wedding, uh, <laughs> describes what that means. Well, the glass is all about how fragile our lives
1: are, <laughs> and that
0: when the glass is broken, we just have to pause for a moment remember we're so life is fragile, so we should cherish every moment. And I actually thought that was very good. That's very good. That that was awesome. Awesome. That's a great little lesson. Absolutely. But that is not why we do it. Why do we, and we didn't do the sad song for Jerusalem because that'd be too depressing at a wedding. It's like, no, you missed the point. You've got to do the sad song for Jerusalem. Why? Because you need to understand what it means. Because weddings are important. Weddings are so important that we have to understand What that sad song for Jerusalem means, and this is part of that, right? So here, so we do this sad song for Jerusalem before we say this blessing. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, king of the universe, created joy and gladness, groom and bride, mirth and glad song, pleasure, delight, love, brotherhood, peace, and companionship. Adonai our God, let there soon be heard in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, the sound of joy and the sound of gladness, the voice of the groom. And the voice of the bride, the sound of the groom's jubilation, jubile- jubilescence from their canopies, and the hues from their song filled feasts. It's not that more difficult to say in Hebrew.
2: <laughs> Blessed
0: are you who gladdens the groom with his bride. Amen. Somebody read Jeremiah, and this is this the funny thing is, everybody that does the glass thing knows this passage wherever they're from, but they don't get the point. Somebody read Jeremiah 33 10 through 11. Thus says Adonai, again will be
3: heard in this place of which you are saying, It is a waste, without people and without animals, in the towns of Judah and in the towns of Jerusalem that are desolate, without people and without inhabitants and without animals, the voice of jubilation, the voice of joy, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who say, Praise Adonai of hosts, for Adonai is good, for his loyal love is forever. The voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of Adonai, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as in the beginning, says Adonai.
0: So here's the idea, and I, I misspoke. The actual sad song for Jerusalem, whatever it is, if I forget your Jerusalem, it can be anything. But it's a sad song about Jerusalem. It's actually after we've done the blessings. The reason why we do it before breaking the glass is this. This is because of this, right here. This blessing. This blessing is to remind everybody present that weddings are about the relationship between God and his people and that relationship will not reach its fulfillment until King Messiah is in Jerusalem and so our moment for pausing considering we're joyful here by the way this is usually a happy one (laughs) (laughs) but the reason for pausing before breaking the glass is because we're reminding everybody here listen you've just heard the voice of the bridegroom. You've just heard the voice of the bride. And especially if you're doing this outside the walls of Jerusalem, which is a giant wedding platform, and you mean Moshe today, where weddings take place in Jerusalem, everybody wants everybody to know, this ain't that wedding. The weddings that are going on on that wedding platform, this is not the wedding that's being described in Jeremiah uh, 33. So every time we get together and have a wedding, everybody needs to know, this is fun, this is not that wedding. There's something even better coming. This is great. This is wonderful. This is a picture of what we're about to do. Because when Messiah comes back, all you're going to hear all day long is weddings, weddings, weddings. That's a, wow. I mean, it's like, you want to know a messianic sign? Wedding is a messianic sign.
4: The biggest. I think that's what's so powerful about this particular part of the ceremony is it is a, it is a, um, like an interest. For that, it's a it's a pro, it's a promise for mm-hmm. those prophecies. It is a glimpse, a vision of what it's going to be. It's not a fulfillment, but it is a reminder exactly. that God has kept His promises and He will keep them. Especially today, when you've got a wedding in Jerusalem, there's only one way that's possible, and that's because God Jews are their, there. <laughs> well, and that's because God has kept His promise. That's right to this point, and it's a, it's a it's a proof text that he will keep his ultimate promise. Anybody was,
0: uh, for our discussion this past Shabbat, uh, Rav Upham uh, brought up a wonderful, wonderful perspective with regard to Joseph's bones. How prophetic Joseph's bones being carried into the land were. And the fact that an empty tomb in Egypt was proof that God keeps his promises. And that allusion to a messianic empty tomb. This is... And this is the end result. This is like this is like the final touchdown here. We're talking about. You want to know what the Messianic Age looks like? It's weddings taking place in Jerusalem. That's it. How will you know that Messiah is here? Weddings in Jerusalem. So we need to be careful every time we have a wedding. This is not that one. We're not there yet. It's nice that you thought about it, but this isn't it. And that's why we do the sad song. <laughs> is not because we can't go to Jerusalem, but because we're not forgetting. In our moment of joy, we are not forgetting. There is something more joyous coming. So it's prophetic. This sign, I love that, I wrote this, this sign trumps two millennia Christian dogma, period. Shuts it all down. When we're talking about a messianic sign, nothing compares to this one. It's not to denigrate or de- or, de- or demote the sign of an empty tomb, but an empty tomb is just an empty tomb. A risen Lord is good. It's wonderful. It's great, but ain't it? It's not the end. When He's here, that is the sign, mm-hmm. right? Everybody agree? It's like wow. It's like all up until then, all oh, that's really it's great. It's wonderful. It's great. Most important thing has ever happened to our lives. But when this happens, that will in comparison. This trumps it all. And the wedding is the picture? Yeah. That's pretty cool.
4: Blessing seven. Go quick on the sixth one. Yeah, huh? Um, that one's my favorite. It my is mine too, because usually everybody's clapping and singing along. <laughs> well, Even I, if they don't know the Hebrew, they still sing along. It's a great tune. But then on top of that, sense. it's my favorite because of the way that it ends. The way that it ends is... Um, God who ble- who gladdens bridegroom with the bride, yeah, and that's what I was talking about earlier and saying that it turns the wedding into a worship experience, because it's in that moment that we're actually thanking God, blessing God for the wedding that's taking place, right? Because up because realistically, from a human perspective, you could see the the wedding ceremony and ultimately the bridegroom's rejoicing over his bride as being the most fleshly, the most carnal expression of humanity, because it's basically you know. It's life. The guy got the chick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, guy gets the girl. End of story. You know, good for him. Whatever. But the point is that that's that's actually not that's the that's the exact opposite of what's happening here. Right. The reality is that when man and woman come together in marriage, it's actually like the height of worship. It is the ultimate expression of uh, well, uh, sort of obviously the temple or anything like that. But for, for us in our daily lives, it right. is the the greatest exp- uh, display of right. who God is. And so um, that rejoicing of the bridegroom the bride. that, you know, Rejoicing the bridegroom with the bride <laughs> Is in fact a gift from God And it is so cool that in this moment of, Especially in this moment Because as the bridegroom It's like this this, when this song hits It's like you're, you're like some of the happiest You've been up in your entire life to that point And so in that moment To be able to realize that this is a gift from God And to thank him for it It's just beautiful Isaiah 62.5 uh, really comes to mind with respect
0: to the sixth blessing, which, which says, For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. As the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God will rejoice, rejoice over, over you. And that's really the essence of it right so, so and, and thank you for bringing that up because how is Jerusalem described in the book of Revelation? As a bride right. adorned her. For her. It's like, mm. wow, now you got it. <laughs> now you understand a little bit about Revelation that maybe you didn't before if you didn't know the Jewish wedding, right? It's like, wow. That's very good. So, the blessing seven kind of like seems, okay, well, we do this all the time. so going be But maybe you don't know why we do it all the time. Yeah, I well, mean, you know, it is about joy. We need to have some wine. I agree. It's a great thing to have some wine, and thank God for the wine. I mean, it's not like thanking God for the wine, though. You, you don't misunderstand. Anytime you do bore prix, you're not thanking God for the wine. There's something else going on. Okay. Blessed are you, I and I God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the body. It's pretty simple, but it's the significance of what that that wine represents. Judges nine thirteen, somewhere, please.
2: But the vine said to them, "Shall I leave my wine that cheers God and men, and go hold sway over the trees?"
0: Okay, so for all the teetotalers, you have to close your ears now for a second, okay? Because God likes it. Amen. But God doesn't just like it in the sense that we like it. There's something else here going on. There's something about wine and an expression of thanking Him for it, blessing Him in the in the process of. Drinking the wine in a community setting, whether it's two or more, right, is because that gladdens
2: it. It's not the
0: alcohol content. Don't misunderstand. That's why that's why men may like wine, but that's not why God likes wine. It's because it has a it has a it has an intimate relationship connotation. There's a spiritual infusion between God and man. So when we drink wine. In a group setting and bless God, we are inviting Him as a member of our group. Where two or three are gathered, that kind of idea. It's pretty profound when you start thinking about it. It's like, wait, well, that's why the Passover wine cups are so cool. And that's why Christianity adopted the Lord's Supper thing and communion or whatever else. They do kind of have this idea that somehow something magical happens. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. <laughs> this is not a promotion of transubstantiation. The point here is, though, there is something about the presence of God being in the group as a result of this blessing. Can we relate this, then, to the wedding feast where Yeshua turned the water to wine in yeah. Cana? That wasn't accidental. Yeah. I mean, as we talked about previously in this course, now, that's exactly There's a reason why that's a first miracle. If you know the wedding Sheba by the way, you know the Shebrav is are the seven blessings. You know there's there's two blessings, or there's three blessings that include the wine, prior to this that are not considered part of the Shebrah brachot. And one of those is actually blessing God with the wine. You're going to bless God with the wine before you do all this stuff, and then you're going to bless God at the end to drink the wine. Well, this one at the end is kind of like the culmination. This group here has experienced and how has, and now has brought glory to God, and his presence is here. That's the point. It gladdens God and his people and reminds the bridegroom and the bride of his participation and his delight in these two
1: becoming one. Mm-hmm. His delight.
0: He's delighted in this. This is, this makes him happy. It's like, think about it for a second. God may not smile, but in our minds he would smile over this. Right? These two become one. It's, it's so cool that you bring up the Participation
3: and the, the being here with us because, of course, then you think of Yeshua saying, Do this in remembrance of me. Right. So it's like a reminder of the time that God was most humbly
0: and like closely absolutely. associated with his people. It's pretty, it's pretty I have desired to have this Passover. Man, it's like a earnestly, earnestly desire to have this Passover. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Rashi's explanation, I really love Rashi's view of these set of blessings because he makes it. You know we've we've explored the the grand picture. Rashi makes it real, little practical for us. I like what Rashi does. The assembled, the assembled guests are blessed, for they emulate God, who is a member of the wedding party of Adam. And Eve. That's cool. Isn't it? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's neat. That's the first blessing. Well, God was the member of the wedding party, so here we have a wedding party. Isn't this cool? We're 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 taking his we're taking his place. We're stand-ins for him. Okay. God created Adam, the first human being. That's the second one. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. It's pretty practical. You can't have anybody else without having Adam. I'll never i hold later. Okay. God separated Eve from Adam. They were one. He made two, right? So they can become two distinct people, and then he can put them back together. That's pretty good. It's a nice blessing. How can we rejoice while our mother city Jerusalem is barren with all our children in exile? So we believe in God, bring your children back.
2: It's
0: like gathering the four corners of your, 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 your tallit, your tzitzit, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in that just before the Shema. May God allow young people who are about to become lifelong companions, these young people, uh, who are about to become lifelong companions to enjoy success in all their lives together just as he gladdened Adam and Eve. Finally, we thank God for gladdening this particular couple in their shared joy, and we pray that he will return pure joy to the streets of Jerusalem in the Messianic age. Amen. And the last one is the Shevah bro- closes with the blessing over the wine, which is a symbol of joy combined with devotion to God. What That's where i got to get the idea of participation, is that when the blessing over wine is said, wherever it's being said, with, with more than one person present, is that it is, it is the combining of whatever bouts going on or whatever's going on and making it a devotion to God. Like a altar, as it were. Alright, so summary. Throughout scripture various aspects of the relationship between God and his people are described with human relationships. We know the relationship between a, a father and his children, a king and his, and his subjects. This of course is our priest and his uh, priest and those who are brought nearby to uh, redemptive work, but this relationship is about the most intimate relationships. And so it speaks in ways the other relationships cannot speak. So we need to know this language. We need to know this language because that not that the real essence of our relationship with God? We are certainly his subjects. He is certainly our king. He is certainly our father. We are his children. He is, you know, Messiah is certainly our priest who brings us near. But we talk about a day-to-day relationship with God. It's that marriage relationship where we corporately and individually but corporately are united to him in this sense of the bridegroom and the Jewish bride. The language of the bridegroom is specifically revealed in the Jewish wedding. There's no other language or any other culture that describes it like the Jewish wedding does. Mm-hmm. Anything final comments? Questions?
2: Okay. Disagreements. To <laughs>
0: you too compliant. Uh, yes, another wedding. Who's next, by the way? Who's next? Brock. Brock is yes. next. After Brock, anybody else? Who, who's after that? Pete? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we, can, we, can, we can assume maybe... Maybe. Maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be true. Yeah.
4: Maybe. maybe mm-hmm. Possibly August. Possibly. Yeah. I've not been yet to hold a date. <laughs> I'm not in the circle. <laughs> <laughs> in the circle of oh, crust. It. I wasn't By the time way, time. I've been to
0: lots of Jewish weddings. I have. I've been to lots of Jewish weddings. They're awesome. Everyone I like even better than the last. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's your work, we could, we, could no, <laughs> we
4: could probably nickname you the wedding singer because you sung it almost all well, of the time. Well, yeah, stars. to be
0: in the wedding singer is a, is a special blessing. Happy have to tell you. Are but you? what I would encourage everybody here, everybody here's a guy. You can do this. You can do this. Everybody here should know how to sing Shepard
3: Are you going to sing them for us?
0: Uh, actually, I don't have the... Well, I I, I you're gonna able to whine sing? at us, or you're gonna sing. <laughs> I, I may or may not be able to. I didn't come prepared, but everybody here should be able to sing it. And here's why. Why do I say that? Why should every man be able to sing "Shuburbuk"? Yeah. Well, not just at the wedding. Not just at the wedding. What are Shuburbuk? Remember, we talked about Shuburbuk. The seven. The week dinners that you have prepared for the That's right. A right. week before, yeah. you need to have somebody that can do the show. And, you know, generally it's great to have different people do it at every house or whatever else. That's wonderful, too. That's wonderful. Not to detract from that. But just in case somebody doesn't know how to do them, it would be good to be able to do them. I probably can't do it that. Often. It's been a while. Uh, just
3: pick, the, pick your favorite and just do one. Yeah, do the one you want. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: that sounds like John Philip's suit. <laughs> 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 Here, Baru Hata Adonai Lohenu Meleka Olam Shehako Barani Fodo. Baruch atah, Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam Yotzer Ha'adam Amen Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam Asher yatzah et Adam petsamo petsalem demutavnitoh vehiki'lo mimenu binyan adad Baruch ata Adonai Yotzer Ha'adam Amen, Amen. So, Stasi's Betaga Akara bekebutz pane the Toka, Bissimka Adonai, Miss America Sion, Amen. Samak Samagraim, Ahavim, Kissed Hikaka, Yitzirka, Began, Edemikedim, Baru Adonai, Miss America Tan, Amen. Parukata adunasi Barukata Adonai no inu melaka o lam Ashbarassassom sinka tatandatta wa Ashbarassassom sinka tatandatta de Shallom be rehu, Kidavina, Deems a behave. Ahab, Akaba, the Shallom be Mehera Adonai Elohim, Mehera Adonai, Ishama, Baraka Yuda, Ubekutso, Ushalayim, Kosason, Beko Sinka, Kokatan, Beko Kaba. Ko sason ve ko simcha, ko chatan ve ko kala. Ko mitsarot chetananim mehupetam, naginatam. Baruch ata Adonai, mitzameh achatan im hakala. Amen. Somebody that's going to drink wine, I'm not going to. Somebody that's gonna wine, going to that's gonna drink wine, if you'll say the blessing
0: for... Uh, if I'll say that, come on, wine, you say the blessing. I will sing with you, but I, I'm not going
3: to drink any, so I can't do that. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Hooray, freehagafen. Amen. I am well done, my friend. Thank you I very am- much. <laughs> <laughs> you have your
2: assignment, one line to sing. From the May You Taste. May You Taste. Taste stands <laughs> <in> to <the blue. laughs>
0: <laughs> When the Tzarekim take leave of each other at the study of Rab Yosef. Very cool guy. They would say to one another, May you taste of the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come. May your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song. As you praise the Holy One, blessed is he. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge. Your heart rejoice in righteousness. And your feet run to hear the words of the ancient of days.
1: Amen. 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 Thank
0: you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.